Hello, friends. Welcome to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Shlomo Buxbaum here. How you doing? Hope you're doing well. And I hope that you had a beautiful, beautiful holiday of Shavuot Shavuos just passed right behind us. And uh, I hope that it was meaningful and special for you. I hope that it was that you were able to um, gain from some of the podcasts and the content and the classes that we had posted before the holiday and that it added meaning for you. It was certainly beautiful for me and for my family to celebrate and to study and to teach. And yeah, it was really, really great. Um, we're in still in the month of May. And as you might have seen online, I've been seeing it all over the place. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And because we've been so busy preparing for Shavuot and Svirata Omer and all the good stuff leading up, so we haven't yet really discussed mental health awareness, but I, I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to do an episode because it's such an important topic. It's so prevalent. And who's not thinking about this? You know, yourself, uh, your, your loved ones, your children. I, and we are in the generation that struggles with our, our mental, emotional social, spiritual health, probably more than any other generation in history for, you know, all sorts of various reasons and whatever the, the factors are. But, but you know, you're, you're, you're constantly seeing that people are feeling anxious, they're feeling sad, they're feeling down, they're feeling depressed. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes they can deal with it, you know, more simply and sometimes it's a little bit more complicated. But either way, certainly worth an episode, certainly worth a discussion something that we can do to help ourselves if you the listener may be struggling with something at, at any level not not extreme but at any level maybe you're struggling in your own life or you know someone who is or you have a child who is so anyways i wanted to talk about it and um maybe a, a month or two ago something i had the great privilege of connecting with my guest for this episode, Dr. Ozzy Jankovich. She lives in Israel. She is a business coach. She helps women pursue their dreams, take their ideas, run with it, turn it into businesses. She's also um, a content creator. She has a, 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 an online following, creates content online and so many other stuff, which you'll hear about shortly as we get into the episode. But she also has a fascinating story of her own struggles with her own mental health and how she learned the skills and the lifestyle to cope and to grow and to thrive despite the, the, the challenges that are very real and prevalent in her life. And, and, and as she strives for her own success as a wife, as a mother, as an as a entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, she's also you know, dealing with this. And, uh, and, and it was really wonderful. So I was able to have this conversation with her. Actually, it was really wonderful because we both interviewed each other for one another's podcast. So I got to be a guest on her podcast and she was a guest on this one. Dvorah sat in for this uh, interview as well to be my co-host and that's always uh, that always brings the podcast up to another level. So uh, it's a really, really valuable conversation. We speak a lot about how um, in her youth, Ozzy had this got, got this diagnosis, and it was pretty much just about you know popping pills. And as she matured, she realized that there's so much more. It's so much more complex, and she shares a lot of the different strategies and the tools that she uses that was that that she's explored uh, and that have been recommended to her. So it is a it is a very very important conversation with a lot of great takeaways, and I hope that it will be meaningful for you as well. And here is the podcast. Here's the episode with Dr. Ozzy Jankovic. This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, 
and how to live a more empowered life. This episode is sponsored by OKClarity.com, the place for any Jew to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist, and it's completely free. And I'll tell you a little bit more about OK Clarity a little bit later on in this episode. This is a great pleasure to be sitting here with a fascinating guest and a fascinating co-host. So first of all, welcome to our Buxbaum. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. And we have over here uh, Dr. Ozzy. Dr. Ozzy, just welcome before we read your bio. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. All the way from Israel. Where in Israel are you? I live on Kibbutz Shalavim, which is between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Ah, right there in between. Okay, so I hope that you're uh, staying safe and that things are calm and, and quiet on your end today. You know, it's been a busy time. We're in, we're in the safest place in the world. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay, so listeners, here is uh, Dr. Ozzy's bio. Dr. Ozzy, which is Azriella, right? Dr. Ozzy. Correct. So Dr. Ozzy Jankovich is on a mission to inspire and guide people to unlock potential, actualize big visions, and make their greatest impact. She guides entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs to start and grow impactful, highly profitable, purpose-driven businesses while creating more work-life harmony. She's the author of Beyond All Things, 50 Insights to Awaken Joy, Purpose, and Spiritual Connection, and her Inspired by Purpose podcast is globally ranked in the top 1.5%, featuring renowned guests and solo episodes on living and leading Inspired by Purpose. Ozzy holds a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of Southern California and has completed a range of courses in marketing and business. She proudly resides in Israel, the safest place on earth with her husband and their four children. So welcome again, Dr. Ozzy. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. It is an honor to be here with the both of you. Okay, so let's jump in. Um, I want to jump in a little bit to your backstory because I know that you're very active on social media and, and you've been very open, I think, about your your journey, which is a, a which I mean, it, it encompasses a lot of things, but a lot of your journey is overcoming challenges with uh, depression and mental health. And since we are in May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, I've always wanted to do a podcast in May mm-hmm. that is dedicated to this, and we just never found the right guest. So this is really, I'm I'm, I'm happy. Yes, it's perfect. And I want to ask you if you can maybe take us into your journey a little bit. Uh, as far as the mental health journey. And then as as we, we as we talk, we'll get into a little bit more of the, the great stuff that you're doing today. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's really an honor. And I know that both of you are involved with teens. And my journey really starts in the teen years. When I was around 15 years old, I was experiencing, experiencing a lot of sadness. I was feeling down. I wasn't feeling on purpose. And I was struggling. I was struggling, uh, you know, socially just to feel my best, to want to get out of bed in the morning and go to junior high and do all of the things that were expected of me. And I wound up in the office of my general practitioner. Her name was Dr. Benjamin. And she sat me down in the waiting room and gave me a questionnaire of 21 questions. It's the Beck Inventory. And And I filled out the questions. It's multiple choice. You choose between a one and a four. And I sat in the waiting room filling out these questions, really unsure of what I was even being asked. How hopeless do you feel, for example? And, you know, how do you rate that on a scale of one to four? But I did my best. 
And after about 10 or 15 minutes, she brought me into her office and I sat up on, you know, the little bed they have in the doctor's office. They roll out the paper. So I sat on top and she looked through my paperwork and she told me that I had, I qualified for the diagnosis of major depression Hmm. and she wrote a prescription for Prozac. I think it was 20 milligrams. I passed it on to my mom and told me that I would feel better in a few weeks. And we left. Wow. And looking back at that day, it's so clear to me what went amiss. And, you know, looking back at my own life at that time, if I had been asked what was happening in my life, what was happening socially, what was happening in terms of, you know, we know so much now about mental health. What were we eating? We were all on a low carb diet, a low fat diet of the nineties at the time. And, you know, socially I was in public school and there were so many social pressures and disorder. Really, there was so much disorder in the school itself. And we didn't have a lot of emotional language. We weren't really talking about our feelings a lot in school or at home. And I think there are so many different issues that that I was going through that were so normal for all of the teens at the time. In terms of, you know, who were our role models? I I look back and I think about, bless you, (laughs) I think about the influences that we were around, the TV shows that we were watching, the magazines, like 17 magazines that we were reading. And I think that I was among most teens my age being fed really toxic messages about how we should live and how we should be and how we should mold ourselves into this expectation of society where inside we had so many needs and we had so many emotions that weren't being acknowledged or addressed. And there was so much that was going awry. And, you know, I could, I could talk about this. I could talk about this all day, but I think that in the 25 years since that diagnosis, I've learned so much. And that's really why I speak out. I've read countless books and I'm always listening to the latest podcasts on mental health and immersing myself in this because it's such a pervasive problem. But, you know, I'll tell you something. When I received this diagnosis, I felt damaged. I didn't know anyone else who had this diagnosis. And I was so ashamed that I didn't even have the language or the ability to tell my friends. I didn't want to talk about it with my parents. It was so embarrassing for me. And when I look back now at the age of 42 with everything that I know and so much expertise, I realize it wasn't me that had an issue. It was everything around me. Wow. And looking at the struggles that so many people have with mental health, I think that it's of the utmost that we all have the knowledge that we need in order to advocate for ourselves. We need the knowledge in terms of all of the different aspects of mental health. You know, mental health is a lot more than mental. Mental health is not about thinking positively and everything will be okay or taking a Prozac pill and everything will be okay. There are so many factors contributing to our mental health. And, you know, I suffered a lot and that's why I'm really passionate about this topic today. 
So, wow, this, well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, I just want to ask questions just as someone that doesn't, that wants to learn a little bit more about it. When you say that, you know, looking back to that diagnosis with what you know now, would you have not been as quick to accept the the, the medication or would you have accepted it, but also uh, wanted to do some sort of deep deeper dive into it? Like what... What would you have done differently knowing uh, if, if you knew then what you know now? I love that question. You know, I'm actually in the middle of my second book and my second book is about the mental health journey. And at one point in the book, I write a letter to that 15 year old and I share with her everything that I want her to know. I'm going to cry when I talk about it, but you know, when it comes to medication, I think it's a very nuanced topic. I just had an expert, an expert in psychiatry, Dr. Ellen Bohr was on my podcast a few weeks back. And I look to people like her who are pioneers in the field of psychiatry um, for the advice, you know, I, and I think that um, I look to people like her who have a very nuanced understanding. So I'm not like an either or when it comes to medication. And I can't necessarily look back and say, oh, I didn't need the medication, but I think there were so many things that were not being addressed. So let's talk about a few of those, those things. First of all, the nutrition, what was I eating? Did I have, you know, the, the vitamins and the nutrients and the probiotics and all of the things that I needed, or was I living on processed food and eating the low fat snack wells from the nineties? Um, I think that there are other issues having to do with, you know, basics like sleep. How was my sleep hygiene? I've learned since then that waking up early in the morning and getting natural light in our eyes without sunglasses is a really important piece of regulating our circadian rhythms. Um, was I was I even getting outside? Was I having exposure to nature? What were the messages that I was receiving from the media? I was reading, you know, I was reading Seventeen magazine and and like many of the girls around me, we were making extreme efforts to try to look like thin models when we were not 5'10 or cut out for that position. Um, we were taking extreme measures to diet and count calories and wasting so much precious energy of youth on making ourselves small. When in fact, we had so many talents that were being overlooked, not only because of these influences, but because of the schools that we were in, you know, thinking about schools, we spent so much time, you know, we had to memorize the names of all the Greek gods. And I knew more Greek God names than I knew names for emotions. So looking back at education, you know, I am an educator and that's what I went to school for. And when I think about education, as most of us know it, I, I see so many places where we're going wrong. Right. So looking back at that education, what about having a values based education for young people? What about having opportunities for young people to explore their passions or their creativity in school? What about empowering young people to meet adults in different industries and developing relationships with older people and learning about what life is like outside of the construct of school. You know, school has about seven subjects, but there are about 70,000 different types of jobs you can have as an adult. So, you know, I could really go on and on about this, but I think looking back, ultimately, it's about looking at the whole person, 
rather than reducing someone to a checklist of 21 questions. And I also think that in a lot of ways, and this is something that I've only come to terms with recently, my struggle was always being minimized. And I think that it was being minimized by adults around me who wanted everything to be okay. Oh no, you're okay. You're fine. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're hungry. Um, just not knowing even what to do with a teen with so many deep questions and such a, a, a deep, deep emotions, big emotions. And at the same time, I think that growing up, Jew, you know, I grew up Jewish. I grew up uh, reformed Jewish. I went to Sunday school and we would learn about, you know, we learned a lot about the Holocaust and I would learn about world affairs. And I was always sort of comparing my own struggles, like minimizing what I was going through. Like, well, this can't be so bad because there's no war going on, or <laughs> this isn't the Holocaust. And I would constantly be like writing off my feelings. Hmm. I remember this one day in ninth grade, I went to go visit the school counselor. I knew I needed help of some sort, right? I wasn't referred to a therapist that also could have been helpful at that, at that diagnosis time, but I went to go visit Mrs. Garcia in, in my school. And I sat, I sat down with her and I shared with her like challenges that were happening in my family with my older brother, how I was feeling, how the social pressures were feeling in school. And I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm talking and she's listening and ultimately, I kind of looked at her and I thought to myself, and I said out loud, well, like, who am I to complain? There are starving children in China. And she nodded her head and she said, wow, I'm, how big of you? I'm so impressed. Mm -hmm. I'm so, so impressed. Patted me on the back, sent me on my way. And I think that it's so important, you guys, to stop comparing struggles, stop comparing our own struggles, stop comparing the struggles of our children, of our teens, giving everyone the space to experience whatever it is they're experiencing in its integrity and in its fullness and acknowledging it because I think it's the only real way that we can work through it and and I think it's also the only way that we can learn ultimately and then share what we've learned for other people who might need those lessons. Hmm. It's very powerful the way that you say it. And I think there is this like, you know, I, it is a new wave, you know, a new wave of thinking, like, you know, just really allowing our emotions to just be. I guess I would just wonder, like, is there some sort of balance? Because I think sometimes while we do compare struggles, um, I, I don't know. I think, yes, the struggle, it, it's a fair struggle and it's legit. You know, if I'm struggling with it, it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world. I'm struggling with it. But at the same time, like, is it not something that can help us put things into perspective or, or feel a little bit better? Even something so small, like I found myself this morning, my daughter was like being very dramatic over a pair of shoes that she she's little, she's young, um, that she says we're, are getting too small in her. It happens to be the new pair of shoes is in the mail. It's on its way. She knows it's ordered. She's being very dramatic. And I made some kind of comment. You know, I acknowledge that it's annoying and she has to wait. And then I did say something, you know, like there are some places in the world where people don't even have shoes. You know, is that is that wrong of me? Is that not something? And you know what? It, it shifted something. She was like somehow okay okay to get squeeze her foot into that shoe 
So, and obviously, you know, there's, there's extremes, but I, I do just question, like, is there not any sort of balance that should be going on here at all? I think it's a really important question. And ultimately I believe that, that our intuition as humans and as, as parents can guide us. And, you know, with that being said, like, there's no one who knows your daughter better than you do. And I think with that being said, it's worth investigating what is underneath what she's saying. What's the feeling? What's the need? And then going from there. And and I realize also as a mom that when you're in the thick of it and you got to get out the door to carpool and you have a million things waiting on you and you're juggling a bunch of balls, it's not necessarily the time to sit and have like a mindful moment. So, you know, I get it. I, I really get it. But I think ultimately where we can creating the space to try and identify what the emotion is underneath whatever's bubbling up on the surface if it's the frustration of not fitting into the shoe or not having the patience to wait for it, or if it's the malaise of being a teen and, you know, feeling lost in the shuffle, mm-hmm. whatever it is, giving giving it that space to, to identify what's going on, what's the emotion and what is the need. And then arming ourselves with as much knowledge, knowledge as we can to empower ourselves to get what it is that we need, to really um, to advocate for ourselves, and then also to advocate on behalf of our children. Mm-hmm. You know, Ozzy, I'm I'm a big believer in like, you know, when 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 God gives us these challenges that we have to overcome, somehow or another, you could find even within that challenge, if you really understand the challenge, the personality trait that we're trying to battle against or overcome, you can also really see the the strength and the depth of a person within that. And just, you know, seeing your bio, you know, you know, being on a on a mission to inspire and guide people, you know, you mentioned that you grew up in in a reform uh home in California. From what I understand, you you went on on kind of a spiritual journey. Also, you're you're living in Israel, you wrote two books. I can hear just by the way you speak that you're a mindful, very introspective person. How much would you would you link together, uh, you know, the your struggles that you had with just the fact that you are an incredibly, incredibly deep person, and 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 there is a there's a connection between these things. It's so interesting that you say that. Well, first of all, thank you, um, thank you for seeing me and acknowledging that. And honestly, I think that it all comes down to pain. I was about 18 months old when I broke my right heel bone and I was involved in an accident with a stationary bicycle. And when I was taken to the hospital and given an x-ray, the fracture was overlooked in the reading room by the radiologist. Mm -hmm. And so I was sent home from the hospital in an ACE bandage when I needed a cast and subsequently had bone death in my foot without getting into any more details. What ended up happening was that I grew up and I still live with chronic pain. And, you know, when we go through difficult experiences, I think what it does is it, it requires us to draw on resources 
And these are resources that we would not have been able to discover otherwise. It's shown that trauma victims, anyone who's been through a trauma, we've all been through traumas in different ways. You know, a trauma is a wound and it can be something as simple as crying as a baby and not being attended to. That can be experienced as a trauma, but whatever it is, it opens certain pathways in our brains that actually creates a heightened sensitivity to the world around us. Because when we're in a state of trauma and of need, we have to be hyper aware of our surroundings. And so we become more conscious. And so every single challenging experience that you go through, and it could be something like an injury, or it could be immersing yourself in an ice bath, which is super popular. I don't do it. Um, But any challenge, you know, I think any challenge that we go through is going to give us a lot of insight. I'm curious to know, and you you had this diagnosis with the Prozac, and my my guess is that it wasn't like you suddenly started popping the pills and suddenly you know everything was fixed. Uh, my 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 guess is that there was lots of of highs and lows throughout the journey. So maybe you can sort of tell us about about <clears throat> that journey, how how things you know played out, and what were some sure. of the dips and some of the highs and the lows, you know, between then and now. Sure. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster. So at that age, I was on Prozac for several years and I was okay. I think that, you know, I, I heard this term from Dr. Vora a couple weeks ago. She calls it the SSRI slumber. When people are taking SSRIs that they they just start living in this like fuzzy version of reality. And obviously this isn't for everyone. And for some people, medication works and they're the lucky ones. But I think for me, it gave me, it it gave me more energy, I think, than I even needed. Like I, I got into extreme sports. I started riding, you know, miles and miles and miles on my bicycle. Um, I would do daredevil things like go out surfing on huge waves that I had no business surfing on, you know, doing certain things that I just don't think I would have been doing otherwise. But at the same time, without it, who knows, maybe I would have been in bed all day. Um, It's tough to look back and say, but I'll tell you, it's been a real journey. Um, I, you know, I experienced, I was more or less pretty stable through high school and college. I came to Israel after my wedding in 2003 and right after we arrived, we moved into our little apartment in Jerusalem and it was September 9th, 2003. And the night we moved in, there were suddenly, I was so nervous about the the noise on the street that I wouldn't be able to sleep in the middle of this busy city. And rather than hearing the normal noise of cars driving by, there was a parade of ambulances dozens and dozens and dozens. And we didn't know what was going on. We didn't have social media. We didn't really have the news. And at some point it went away and we went to sleep. So the next morning I woke up and there was like this somber feeling in the city. And I walked over to my seminary, Madrashat Rachel in, uh, in Jerusalem, about 20 minutes away. And when I arrived, the sadness was so palpable and, and we sat down that sm- that morning and Rabbi Shuren, who's the dean of the school, came in and 
he shared with us that one of the, the women in our group was actually in this terror attack that had happened the night before mm. at Cafe Hillel. And she was injured. She was okay. She was injured, but her seat was empty that morning. And there were others that were not as lucky. There were people who lost their lives. And, you know, I think being confronted with that was very, very difficult for me. I, I think I, I'm a very sensitive person. I think that's part of my experience around mental health has to do with sensitivity. And I really felt that. And it became very challenging for me to leave my apartment and walk to school or really go anywhere without being hyper vigilant and looking here and there and everywhere. And who's the next, you know, who, who's going to be the next suicide bomber. It was a very difficult year. I heard a bomb go off a few weeks later and I experienced a lot of uncomfortable feelings. I later learned that those were anxious feelings. Um, but I didn't even know the word anxiety back then. It's not something that people used to talk about. So that is something that I experienced um, right around that time. It definitely cooled off um, once we left. I think that some of this is unavoidable when we're in certain surroundings. And some of it, look, some of it can be adaptive. I think that we have these warning signals internally that are trying to keep us safe. And I think sometimes they do but sometimes they go into overdrive and that's when we need some help. Um, so that was a big one. That was another big one. Do you want me to continue or do you, yeah, do you want to ask I, about that? Well, I mean, I'm also curious. I'm, I'm, it's fascinating to hear, but I'm also curious, even like, you know, today, even, you know, in, in, in the day to day and you have the, you, you now have the tools and you, you, you know yourself well, and you probably know your patterns well, but I'm curious what role, um, it plays both for the for the negative, for the positive, just in your life today. Sure. I mean, I was on the phone with my psychiatrist today for an hour. I meet with her every month or so. And listen, I've had a lot of challenges. I've been in the hospital. I've been hospitalized for mental health issues. I was in a hospital last summer. I had a prescription that was not didn't sit well with me. And I was hospitalized as a result of that. So there's a lot of experimentation that goes on in the world of psychiatric medication, and it's not a clear-cut picture in terms of solutions. But I would say that for me, what really helps in my particular situation, being a sensitive person, is eating a certain way. So I was I was told I was basically prescribed um, a certain way of a way of eating by one of my doctors here in Israel. His name is Dr. Andrew David Schiller. And he's a really fascinating guy. Actually, we could talk about this a little bit. I was um, in 2017, I had a, a traumatic birth. I had a baby six weeks early and I'd been in and out of the hospital while I was pregnant with him. He's my fourth. And after that birth, I was recovering. I had, I had taken steroids and I mean, it was like a, really a lot going on medically and physically and emotionally. And I took some time to recover. And one of the things that I did that year was that I went to visit several healers and I was experiencing anxiety and depression. And, you know, I'd gained like 60 pounds from the steroids and I just felt awful, you guys. So I went to several healers and one of the healers that I went to was Dr. Andrew David Schiller. And he is also, he became observant later in life. 
he was a Harvard trained doctor. And then he got into some more integrative approaches to medicine. And he's also gotten very into spirituality and the, the world of like Jewish healing. And so I went to see him and we sat down and he asked me a little bit about what I was going through. And I thought he was going to ask me for blood work or something. And we, we did eventually get there, but he sat me down and he asked me like what I was doing with my life. And I said to him, well, what do you mean? I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I just had a fourth baby. I'm going to, you know, I just made Aliyah. I'm going to, I'm taking my time here. And he said to me, well, what, like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What do you mean what gets me out of the bed anymore? I have to pack lunches. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I said, no, no. What are you passionate about? Mm. And I looked at him. I said, spirituality. I said, that's how I got here. That's my, like, life is a miracle. And I've seen miracles and I've experienced miracles. And I'm so passionate about spirituality. And so he said to me, okay, no, like, tell me more. What do you, what do you do with that? I said, well, I'm writing this little book, but it's really just a journal and I'm just going to keep it to myself. And said to me something that I will never forget. He sat down and he looked at me from across the table and he said, listen, Ozzy, I have seen 20,000 scans from my patients over the years. And I can look at two identical scans, back scans that look exactly the same. Patient A will be laying in bed, absolutely miserable all day, wanting to do nothing other than die. Patient B, same back scan, is jumping out of bed in the morning with enthusiasm, with inspiration. He said to me, you know what? He said, you want to know what the difference is? The difference between these two people is not their back scans. It's not their backs. The difference is purpose. And purpose is something that we need to share. Purpose is something that we have, but purpose is also something that we do. And he encouraged me really, really strongly to share what I was working on with other people and not to keep it to myself. And, you know, that, that really led to an incredible chain reaction of so much beauty and inspiration and positivity in my life and in the lives of others. Um, but you know, that was a really pivotal moment for me and yeah. And, and, you know, and at the same time, it's like, he gave me that philosophy, right. That hashkafa. And he also gave me so many practical tools too, like a certain way of eating. And he set me up with this notion that, you know, we as human beings, some of us are highly sensitive. It's like some people drive Toyotas and some people drive Ferraris and each car needs to be taken care of a certain way. And if you're a highly sensitive person, you might need to go to sleep earlier than your peers. You might need to eat a little bit differently or watch your eating schedule. You might need more nature or more sunlight or more or less socialization, right? It's really about learning about your needs and and figuring out that, that individualized recipe. So so that's a little bit about what he shared with me and and I have to say that, you know, it's taken time and I think there's constant adjustment, but I took a lot out of 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 that conversation and working with him. I love that story for so many reasons, but one thing that really jumps out at me is like 
look at how his comment to you about living on purpose and with purpose shifted your whole life. Like it really, it shifted you. And I think sometimes, um, this is just an interesting takeaway. Like sometimes we don't even realize that when we see something in someone else, like it can, we can believe in it and we can like plant that seed in someone else. Like you never know where that seed will go. So shout out to that, to that doctor. Yeah. You Dr. know, it's, it's, it's so true. It's so true. And I'll tell you that when I was doing my research as a doctoral student, I worked in high schools. I did my research in high schools. And I was in some of the poorest and most troubled high schools in Los Angeles, where students regularly end up in jail on the streets, expelled from school. And we were looking at what is it? What can a teacher do to help a student through such a difficult and trying time Mm -hmm. and environment? And one of the things that we were able to point to was exactly what you just said, believing and in, believing in and seeing the potential of someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's our role in this world, really, to see the light in other people, to see who people are capable of becoming as reality. And I think we really need each other to do that. Let's take a quick break from this conversation to talk about OKClarity.com. OKClarity.com is the place for any Jew to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist, and it is completely free. OKClarity.com's professionals are vetted and have extensive experience working with the Jewish community. If you're in the marketplace for a therapist, coach, nutritionist, psychiatrist, or the like, or if you are a therapist, coach, psychiatric medication provider, or nutritionist, you must go check them out at OKClarity.com. Also, if you have WhatsApp, OK Clarity has an amazing WhatsApp status or groups with thousands of obsessed followers. Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health, and they post great humor, so you laugh too. We'll put the links to their website and WhatsApp in the show notes. Smash those links. You won't regret it. Something keeps going through my head, and I'm not sure that there's a question at the end of this, but maybe I'll just ask you to speak to it. I, I'm, I always think about sort of the people that are quote-unquote in the middle. You know, it's like like they say in America, you know, the middle class is the one that always gets messed over because there's always, you know, people paying attention to, you know, the, the like the upper class, they're comfortable and the lower class gets help. And then the middle class is just, you know, but in, in many things we find often, you know, like when schools say, you know, the, the troubled kids, everyone's paying attention and they're calling the kid out of class and giving them interventions. Or I think in life also, like when there is, when there's, a a serious problem so we know we know that we need to invest in getting the help that we need and I'm always nervous um, that there is sort of this middle this gray area of people who in their life it hasn't gotten so intense that they realize that they need to seek help maybe they don't need even to seek outside help but they're not okay either and they're sort of like you know in the middle and they're not going to be the ones that are going to aggressively search for the answers but they just know that they're waking up every day and just something is off something is not right um so 
I don't know. Can can you speak to that at, at all? Do you have any 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 feelings about that or advice to people who might be listening to this? Is like, well, you know what? Am I? You know, I think I told you when we spoke for the first time. Sometimes I'm just like, maybe I'm like super depressed and I don't even realize it. <laughs> like I have these thoughts some days, you know. Especially for deep people like yourself, um, you know, I think that life has its intensities, but certainly I think it's worth being curious about and asking questions and, you know, asking ourselves like, what choices do I have? Like, maybe I can do something different. Maybe I can break a pattern or try something new. Maybe I can learn something that I didn't know before, you know, maybe I'll ask someone for help. I think that is the most underrated form of self-help is asking other people for help and for advice. It's something I try to do all the time is just hop on calls. If I hear someone mention something like really anything, I mean, if you can think of someone who, who seems to feel better than you ask them, like have a sit down with them and ask them, like, what does your day look like? Or what are you thinking as you go through your day or what are you interested in? Or, I mean, anything like, let's just get curious about other people and let's ask people for help and let's be real about who we are. You know, I think it can be really, really hard to tell other people what we're struggling with or that we need help with something. And, and yet people love more than anything else to give advice. So I think that if someone has like any inkling of a question about like, could I feel better? I think it's really worth looking into because why not? What do you really have to lose? Yeah. And you mentioned a lot of things. I just want to want to highlight them because you mentioned them and I'm jotting them down just before we move on, because I want to hear a little bit about what you're doing today. But you mentioned sleep. You mentioned, you mentioned the natural light, which is interesting, a theme that I've been hearing a lot over the last couple of weeks. And that's something that I haven't been, I mean, I, I, I'm mindful to get out, but it was never like for the sake of getting natural light. But, you know, I, I know to be more aware of that. Uh, you mentioned changes in eating, obviously finding purpose from Rabbi Schiller asking for help. Are there any other um, strategies or tools that you would, uh, that, yeah. that you would yeah, 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 sure. Out? I mean, just. Just to give you like a like a reference, so someone who speaks about the natural light a lot is um, Dr. Andrew Huberman out of Stanford. He talks about the rule of the eye that the eye is actually part of the brain, and so um, much of what we look look at. And then there's several strategies, like even walking, is a way that we can offload certain energies and and even tap into like better mental wellness. So he's an interesting person to check out when it comes to like the eyes and the sunlight and all those things. Um, and then, you know, in terms of also like just the way we're conceptualizing mental health. So I mentioned diet and there is a brand new set of research coming out of Harvard on the, um, keto diet and how the keto diet can actually reduce, like significantly reduce, or if not eradicate symptoms of schizophrenia. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I believe we are on the cusp of understanding what mental health actually is. And I think that it's really important for everyone listening to understand a couple things. Now, number one, there are so many kinds of interventions, okay? I've been posting one tip or tool every single day this month, and I could probably do it for the rest of my life. Like 
there's so many ways that you can get help. And some of them are really enjoyable, um, if not most of them. And then the other piece to all of this is reframing mental health, right? So I think that if anyone experiences mental health challenges or even having a diagnosis anywhere near the way I did when I was 15, there's a lot of shame and self-loathing that can happen when someone feels damaged or incomplete or not good enough. And, and that plays into unworthiness, you know, unworthiness and self-doubt is the, the yates are heart. It is the evil inclination. That is our spiritual battle in this world. I had a conversation with Rabbi Twersky on my, of blessed memory, Rabbi Twersky, who is 91. He was on my podcast a few years ago. And he said that to me, he said, the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, a lot of people think it's what causes us to sin. He said that the, the teachers of Musr actually taught him that the Yetzirah is self-doubt and that our spiritual battle in this world is the battle against self-doubt. Amalek, right? Yeah. And when it comes to mental health, gosh, like we're already up against so much when it comes to like trying to have confidence in ourselves and like trying to operate with, with that mindset and, and having a diagnosis or having anxiety or depression can make it so much worse. Any diagnosis, right? There is no shame in being diagnosed with anything. The most important piece is that you realize it's not about the diagnosis. It's about figuring out what you need. And I encourage everyone to Yes, like go ahead, look into, get your board certified doctor and all those things, but also keep a super open mind. I was on a call with my psychiatrist today, who's a conventional psychiatrist. And I was sharing her, sharing with her the documentary that I saw last week or the, the, the psychiatrist from Harvard that I heard talking about keto or, you know, she's not staying on top of this. Like, what does she care? You know, she shows up for her nine to five. She has her patients. She does her job like, and she's good at it. But at the same time, I need help over here and I'm not going to stop until I feel amazing. So I think it's really important to, you know, she right now for me is the best help I can get. I live in Israel and my options are somewhat limited locally. If I were in the States, this could be a different conversation, but you know, don't stop, don't stop, don't settle for mediocre, keep looking, keep searching because you are worth it. I have a crazy question. Maybe it'll go nowhere, but I have to ask just because of my crazy brain. <laughs> You mentioned earlier that when you were really struggling with depression, you went to a variety of different types of healers. And I'm wondering whether you discovered anything during that time, which I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious about this, any of this sort of off the beaten path that oh my gosh. you found fascinating. Totally. So I have to share with you guys that I have an older brother who's been through like, if I've been through a lot, he's been through like a lot, you know, a lot squared. Um, and he wrote a book called The... The Unchained Life Manual. And he talks about all of these alternative treatments. There are so many out there. It's incredible. Like, I'll give you an example. One of them is um, grounding, putting your feet on natural ground. So, like the sand at the beach or the grass, that can do a lot for physiology, for inflammation, reducing inflammation. Um, there are all sorts of like cleanses that people can do. Um, there's a specific cleanse in his book with Epsom salt. I actually had a diagnosis of um, gallbladder stones and they wanted to do surgery. And after I did this cleanse, 
the stones were miraculously gone in the CAT scan, like literally avoided surgery by drinking Epsom salts. So, and I, and I ran it by my board certified nutritionist and, and, you know, it, it, it was fine. It was clear with her. She didn't see any issues with it, but she wasn't offering it to me. You know, like I had to look elsewhere. Like, I think that there are many, I think it's always worth doing your due diligence, but there's so much out there. I mean, listen, there's aromatherapy, sometimes smelling beautiful things can also enhance your environment. Um, you know, decluttering your house and organizing your physical space can bring a lot of inner organization. Hmm. Um, doing something hard every day, you know, whether it's the ice bath or making sure you sweat every day. Um, gosh, like we could we could go on about this for a long time. It's fascinating. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I want to hear about your exciting work today and all about the inspiring things that you're doing. So what is the day-to-day life of Dr. Ozzy Jankovic look like today? Oh my goodness. Wow. Well, I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed to be a mom. I have now three teenagers and a six-year-old, and I spend a lot of my time on my family. And when I'm not with my family, I am podcasting. I'm really excited to have you guys on my podcast pretty soon here. And I'm also working in business and marketing. So that takes on a few different forms. I do business and marketing consulting, mainly for service-based entrepreneurs. So I work with people, anyone from like a, you know, a, a dietitian who wants to grow their online platform to podcasters or organizers or coaches, you name it. And I do, yeah, so I do one-on-one work. I do group work. And I also just launched a new business last week called customcreatedclips.com. And it was like this perfect fusion of all of the different things I do. I was working in video production with my husband in a company called Kesher Video last, all of last year. And I'd actually taken a break from my work as a consultant because I was taking a mental health sabbatical in all honesty. Um, so I, I was doing something with him. I was more of like an employee, you know, not running things, just helping with marketing, but I learned so much about marketing and about business and about video. And I had this moment where I was creating clips for my podcast for social media. You can see them all my, all on my Instagram or, you know, Facebook, when you take a clip from the podcast and you share it and it shares the message of the guest. And I had this moment where I felt so grateful for these clips because looking back at when I first started podcasting and getting on social media, I hired a team to help me. So I was paying good money for the social media team that were making beautiful static posts and writing cool captions. And, you know, they were helping me out, but they kept asking me for video clips. So I would sit down in front of my phone and I would pick it up and I would look at my reflection and turn the thing on and I could never sound right. I would never look right. It never came out right. And all I wanted was for someone to sit me down, make me sound competent, make me look right on camera and like allow me to just be myself and say everything that you're saying right now is deeply resonating (laughs) and (laughs) a voice in my brain every single day. Yes. (laughs) So that's totally it. So I had this like moment where it was like, wait a second, what if I just, I could interview those people and be that person. I always, it's like, how do you find your dream business? You think of the person who could have saved you, what would they have been doing and how can you be that person? 
So the person who could have saved me would have put me on camera, made me look good, helped me to sound good, helped me to share my messages strategically so that I can talk to my ideal client, grow my platform, market my business, all of those things. So I had this moment where I was like, wow, like I could do that. I could just interview people and make these clips. And I shared this idea with a friend and she listened to it. And like, before I could even finish explaining, she was like, what are you, what are you charging for that? What are you charging? Yeah. Sign me up. When can I start? So I booked my first client and then I met someone the next day and I shared the idea and she signed up. And then, I mean, I have four clients in a week and I threw a website together using AI people. Okay. Wow. My 18 year old daughter was like, just make a website with AI. I'm so, you know what? I'm not a website builder. Meanwhile, I go online and I answer a couple questions and I pick my favorite colors and bam, it was like, it's just incredible. It's incredible what happens when we think about what people need and how we can help. There's just so much magic. I'm pretty sure that if we would share the bloopers of a video that we tried to film last week. And we ended up being so, you know, pretty successful at it. But if we would share the bloopers, we'd probably just go viral. Just just from the yes. bloopers itself of what it took for Do us to it. get this video right. That was the best part, the exactly. bloopers. Yeah. Do it. Well, you guys have each other, which is such a gift because you guys are a team and you can help each other. I think that's so huge. Yes, thank God. This was really, really wonderful. Do you have any uh, final uh, thoughts? This was amazing. It was really, really nice. I've been following you, but it's been so fun to meet with you and have this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Deborah. It's been such an honor. So everyone should check out Dr. Ozzy. Check out her Instagram, her website. We'll post everything in the show notes. And thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being so open and wishing you tremendous success in all of all of the projects, the new business and everything that you do and sharing your message with the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.